you have this negative thought. Your body goes, all right, there's, there's danger, there's a threat, something bad's going to happen. Let's produce some adrenaline and cortisol, okay? So you've got some glucose ready, so if there is danger, we can run. Now, when you get caught in this spiral, this loop, for a prolonged period of time, what starts to happen is that the cells in your body become addicted, blew my mind when I read this, addicted to the chemicals, the cells in your body literally go when you're trying, you know, your friends might say to you tomorrow, you need to just think a bit more positively. You know, you need to go off and chant. Right. It doesn't matter what you do. Your cells start demanding this chemical soup that they swim in. So your physiology starts to dictate your neurology. You become more miserable. You've all got friends who are half glass full and you go, ah, oh, they just, they never, they don't see the bright side. Sometimes people have been stuck in this heightened state of chronic stress that they literally can't escape it. They've got no, no choice over it. Their physiology is going, we want more of this, some, this stuff. And how do we produce that? Negative thinking. Welcome to Your Body's Way, a podcast for all of you health-conscious humans out there who want to nourish, move, and take care of your body your way. Not the diet book's way or even my way. Your journey to find your body's way through all of the noise and nonsense starts right here, where I'll be presenting and breaking down all of the current popular health practices so you can make intelligent choices that work for you and you alone. You know what they say, if the shoe fits. So I encourage you to take on what sounds tempting and to reject what doesn't. So let's dive into your journey to becoming the person you know you can be. Hi there, you're listening to Your Body's Way and I am your host, Tamara Walpole. Today, I have a really special guest. His name is Matt Marnie and he is going to talk to us today about the term and all of the different ways to practice meditation. Now, meditation is a really, um, it's still, it's still got a bit of stigma attached to it. People still think meditation is um, a bit woo-woo, uh, maybe a bit out there for some people. But the good news is, is that it's becoming more and more popular and people are willing to try it and accept it more than ever. So Matt is the perfect person to explain this to you today. He is a fellow Londoner. So I'm from London. He's from London. So it was really comforting um, chatting to him uh, you know, with his accent. And it was just really comforting when you're living away from home. It's so lovely to speak to someone from the same city as you. So he is a Londoner living in Dubai, which I also lived in Dubai as well. So we have a lot in common. He is um, a Londoner living in Dubai, teaching um, people, teaching um, corporate, going into corporate environments, teaching clients how to meditate and what it's all about and taking away all of the mysticism and just making it really practical so people can start to incorporate it into their daily life. He has way over a decade of experience. He um, is basically a health coach, um, helping people to manage their stress and anxiety, which is on the rise. And it's it's worse than ever, uh, isn't it? Due to 
you know, social media and um, how easy it is to just get swept up in, in like getting back to people immediately and WhatsApp messages and emails on your phones. And it's so hard to escape sometimes. So he really explains how to overcome that in even just the smallest ways in your day. So it's really important that you listen to this conversation all the way through because he's got loads of little gems to share with you. And I even started incorporating them into my life um, after this conversation. So I hope that you enjoy it. Without further ado, here is Matt. Matt Marnie, so good to see you. Um, Thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. I'm so happy to be speaking to you right now because I know the topic we're going to speak about is very necessary for myself and for everybody. So how are you doing? I'm I'm very good, Tamara. Thank you for inviting me on. I've, I've actually, for you, I've broken my caffeine curfew. So I'm normally two o'clock. But yeah. you know what? I thought I've had a busy day. It's not coffee. I thought I'll have a cup of tea. Very English. Yeah, very I've English. Got a cup of tea. Yeah, yeah broke yeah. caffeine curfew. So no, it's it's great to be here. We're in different time zones. You're in the Cayman Islands. I'm in Dubai. We're both Londoners. It's very international. I'm looking forward to and and the, if you look over my right shoulder, what do you see? The flag, the UAE flag. The UAE national yeah. flag. I put it up there. There you go. But no, I'm pleased to be here tomorrow. I'm pleased to be here. And yeah, it's, it's so good to chat to you because, yes, um, we have a lot in common. We've just been talking about how, um, you know, we both lived around the same part of London, North London, Muswell Hill, Crouch End. And then yeah. you, I lived in Dubai at one time and now you're living in Dubai. And we just we just have a lot in common. But, but especially... Um, but the topic that we're going to be talking about today, because um, we're going to be talking about meditation, and we that are. is such a huge topic, um, you know, for myself and for you and for you, and um, for the listeners. Like, I'm hoping that meditation is something that the listeners um, want to get into themselves, or if not already. So, I am so looking forward to just diving into all things meditation with you because I know that, like, looking through your journey, I know that you've had, um, you know, a time in your life where you, when you didn't meditate <clears throat> and then now you do. And it's like, I feel like there's been a huge transformation in your life. Um, so, so, I mean, before we kind of dive into your story, um, I just mm. want to quickly, quickly get my piece out of the way um, just before we go into you. Because when we go into you, we're not going back. So um, <laughs> let's, <laughs> I'm just going to go into myself first. Um, so I've been sort of desperate to get into a meditation practice for, for years because I know how important it is. Um, and I always feel more connected to myself and to my goals and I always feel much healthier you know body mind soul when I go into some sort of meditation um, state meditative state um, but I, recently in the last uh, few months I've actually established a meditation practice which I'm sure you'd be proud of yeah mm-hmm. um, so I've, I've established a practice and I have to say it is absolutely life-changing it is so transformative in the most, in, in big ways, but then also in little really subtle ways as well. And um, I just feel like um, I have more patience. I have more empathy for other people. I'm more focused on what I want in my life. Um, yeah. 
and I, I'm, I'm more sensitive to my environment, I'm more, more able to recognize synchronicities. And it's just crazy how like, literally at, at the moment I do 30 minutes a day. Um, it's just amazing how I'm, how just that has, has made such a big impact on my life. And, and that's why I wanted to kind of zigzag out of my usual topics. Cause usually I talk about like functional medicine, exercise, so this is my first mindfulness meditation podcast. And that's why I'm zigzagging because I just think it's such an important topic and I know that you're going to agree. So um, tell me like, so that's my story. Um, <laughs> tell me about meditation for you, how you came across it. What's, what's your story? All right. I won't, I won't bore you with, the, with too many details, but like you, fitness industry, still in the fitness industry, I still... I run a corporate well-being company, so I still do movement-based stuff. I still personal train a few people. Working in the fitness industry, challenges with my mental health. Long story short, people call it burnout, people call it anxiety, challenges, emotional breakdown. I mean, back in the day, I think, I was talking to someone about this recently. In the 70s, they used to say that you'd had a, you had a nervous breakdown. Do you remember, I don't know if you remember yeah. that term. It was a oh, term, totally. Yeah, I, 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 I still it's, use that term sometimes. Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of changed. It's, it's, it's all the same thing, so... I face challenges with my mental health, you know, insomnia, panic attacks, low mood. And that's how I, I basically, I was just fed up of feeling that way. And there'd been these patterns, these like waves of, of challenges with my mental health and I blame it on careers and relationships and all this kind of stuff. But these familiar feelings came up. So a good friend of mine who meditated said, look, I'd heard, like most people, and you mentioned it earlier, Meditation is very popular. It's mainstream. I'm, I'm really pleased it is. You know, I'm I'm speaking at the UAE Fitness Summit in May. I'm standing on a stage in front of a load of personal trainers. And this is the third time I've done it, talking to them about this. So the game's changed. You know, the holistic approach to well-being, the mind-body connection. It's not woo-woo anymore. There's science and we'll delve into it. But anyway, I fell in, I faced challenges with, with my mental health. I was fed up and feeling that way. So I just sat down and done as I was told. So I just sat down on my chair for 10 minutes every day. And I just focused on the breath. And I did what I was told by my friend who's a yoga teacher. And I felt better. Things improved. The anxiety subsided. Started rational, rational thinking came back. I was, you know, I felt like my old self. So as you do, I stopped meditating. I'm all right now tomorrow. What's that all about? God, what a palaver. That was a bit of an incident. Went back to my normal routine. I was doing, I think I was teaching. I was teaching Pilates and boxer size. I was managing a gym, actually, at the time. Team of trainers. And anyway, same feelings returned. I went back to my meditation practice. I started getting the benefits again. I thought, okay, I'll carry on doing this. I'd formed a habit. And then as the years rolled by, the stuff that you touched on at the beginning of this podcast, so it might sound a bit out there to people, but empathy and memory and patience and tolerance and sometimes it's difficult to describe the benefits of meditation it's like anything it's like you know you almost need to experience it give it time to show up in your life but i continued meditating and i noticed this stuff so i noticed these other things that were happening in my life and and i knew it was a direct result of meditation so i'd start telling my clients about it so my pt clients i wasn't teaching meditation i was just meditating i go on retreats and I'll, you'd be one of my clients tomorrow. I'd be like, tell you what, tomorrow you're busy, you're stressed out. You need to meditate. And they go, oh, okay, mate, you talk about this a lot. I haven't got time. And I'll be like, you should, you should do it. Like, you know, your memory will improve. You'll be, you know, you'd have more patience for your kids. And a lot of clients, some clients do, say, 
Well, how does that work, Matt? Why? Tell me. Some people want to know the why, and I think the why is important, whether it be movement-based. Some people don't care. They just do as they're told, but some people don't know why. And I thought to myself, I don't actually know. So that's where my journey that I started to delve in more about the science. I qualified as a teacher. I have mentors, and you know, I, I basically have been teaching for a few years now, and I love sharing this stuff with people. Um, so that was my journey into meditation. My journey into meditation was like most people. They, they're, they're up against it. Their mind's busy. They don't feel they hear that meditation's good for them. <laughs> they think it's good for like exercise, you know, and all this stuff, actually. And I would say this. I'm not on here saying meditation's a cure for everything. You know, there's so many roads to better well-being or improved well-being. That could be movement and meditation. But for me, meditation's almost been like the icing on the cake. But, uh, so, yeah, so that's how I got to where I'm at. I, I, I struggled. I found meditation. It helped me. I stuck with it. This stuff showed up in my life. I wanted to share it with people. So I delved deeper. I've done my teacher training. I run retreats now. I talk about this stuff like this. I love it. It's a game changer. It is a superpower. It will change your life. I would say this. It's called meditation practice for a reason. It's the same with the fitness stuff. I wouldn't say to someone, and most people know this, you sit on the couch, you go, I'm going to get in shape January, New Year's. I'm going to get in shape tomorrow, tomorrow. You don't, nobody expects to go to the gym, go for one visit to the gym, walk out, and there to be a transformation. A lot of people are not even that silly to think one month. We know long gain, fat loss. We're talking months, consistency with nutrition, consistency with training, progressive overload principles. It's all about consistency. It's the same with this stuff. It's the same with this stuff, but like the movement world and the exercise world, there's lots of information out there. It gets confusing. People don't know where to start. They don't think they can meditate, and then they stop. So hopefully we'll we'll delve into what those 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 things are. Totally, there's there's so much to unpack here. Um, but what yeah. I wanted to say is um, a, a couple of things actually. When you said that um, you know it's it's a long term practice, it's something that you have to do like consistently. And you could even say, if you compare it to nutrition and exercise, you could even say, well, actually, it's like you're talking a lifetime. You're talking like, you know, a lifetime of um, a healthy lifestyle to maintain the body shape that you want, for example. Um, But with with meditation, if someone's going to be taking on a new habit, it might be intimidating for them to think, oh, my God, do I have to do this for the rest of my life? But the the great thing is, and you can probably agree with this or tell us, um, first of all, surely you can you can get meditation done in as little as five to ten minutes in a day i mean is, is there a minimum amount of time that we need to spend doing it first yeah of all? no 100 i mean yeah it can be intimidating um people start with i i my students when people come on courses and they do introduction courses they do a class <clears throat> you start with one minute you start with two minutes so you can get benefits five minutes a day and get benefits 10 minutes a day A lot of people that I work with, one of the barriers to adding something else to their life is time. The great thing about meditation is meditation creates space. So it improves your focus and attention. You get more done. We'll maybe delve into how that helps. But you can bring mindfulness into your everyday life. So when people struggle with the time and it's a barrier, in the shower, is an opportunity to experience the benefits of mindfulness. 
brushing your teeth is an opportunity. The commute to work is an opportunity. So what I always share with people is don't panic and don't worry that you've got to fit another thing into your life. Yes, it takes committed action like anything. And also, it, does it have to be a lifelong practice? It's like anything, right? like brushing your teeth. You do it for a few years and you go, actually, uh, it's probably best to do this. If I don't do it, my breath's going to stink and, you know, I'll have cavities. You know, it's just simple stuff. Meditation is something I say to people, give this stuff three months to show up in your life. Just commit to it for three months. Sit down in your cushion, do your practice, increase the duration, do whatever you do. Just, just turn up for three months, see how you feel. And if you think to you, I, I'm, I'm too busy, it's not really, it's fine. Just go back to everyday life. And there are other ways to manage stress. But my experience is if someone commits to this stuff, once it shows up in your life, it's like that whole thing, isn't it? Once you've, you've seen something, you can't unsee it. Once you experience this stuff genuinely in your life, you can't kind of, you can't, you can't unsee it. But what I will say is like any new habit is you start, like your situation, right? you said to me, I've been meditating for a few months. You're like, yes, and it's great. Chances are life will get busy and that regular practice that you had won't be so regular for whatever reason. Life circumstances, an injury, illness, family, whatever. And you veer off the path. That's what it's like. When you want to solidify a habit, it's almost like smoking is agent. You know, when people are trying to quit smoking, it's never like first attempt. It's always. So what happens with people is they start meditating. They experience stuff. They stop meditating like I did. Those same feelings come back. And they go, oh, God, I felt much better when I meditated. Why don't you start meditating again? Oh, I'll do that. Meditate again. And then this is how all this stuff happens, doesn't it? It's trial and error. It's experiencing how it feels to have meditation, whatever meditation is, how it makes you feel, how it shows up in your life. Then you stop doing the thing, <laughs> the exercise, the nutrition. You veer off it. You fall off the wagon. You come back. So if anyone's listening, they're thinking this is overwhelming. It's like, no, don't, don't worry. There are ways of fitting this stuff into your life. But like anything, if you don't give it time, you won't experience the benefits. Same as exercise. So this kind of leads into the type of, well, who who should be meditating, who you recommend meditation to, because um, yeah. you you mentioned something. You, you mentioned how, um, you know, you had some tough feelings to deal with and that, that led you into meditation. And I will second that. Um, it wasn't until I had um, tough feelings that I like, you know, maybe I should try meditation or something I should get into. So it, it makes you feel like it is meditation for stress. Is it for something? Is it for people who are, you know, having struggles in their life or, you know, they're having difficulty coming to terms with certain things or stress um, with daily life, with their goals, you know, with their fitness mm. um, journey? Is it is it just for um do you recommend it to people who are just going through a stressful time or is meditation for pretty much everybody? No, it's a great question. Predominantly, most people who come on a, and I'm just talking about my experience, most people that attend my introduction to meditation course, fill out a pre-course questionnaire. There's, it, there's normally a battle with anxiety. There's almost, there's a battle with low mood. There are circumstances when if someone's having like, they're, they're in a really acute phase of, you know, they're having panic attacks and literally closing their eyes is triggering stuff, the breath work. 
And sometimes you signpost out and you might say, you know, you're not ready for a course now. Most people go to meditation because of stressful feelings, but meditation is for everyone. So let's start with the first thing. The first thing, we use the word uh, meditation. Now, meditation is an umbrella term, is what people don't realize. So we use the word meditation. It's the same as using the word sport. Mm. Under the umbrella of sport is boxing and horse riding, <laughs> right? Two completely different sports. The training is different. The physiological impact is different. The personality types that are suited towards those sports are different. And it's the same with meditation. So people think meditation is this one thing. It's not. This is the biggest challenge that people face when they start a meditation practice. They'll buy an app, Insight Timer, Calm. They're all out there. Everyone's got, most people I speak to who ask about my meditation course, ask them if they've got a guided meditation app on their phone and they just pull it out and go, yeah, I'll pay $7.99 a month. I'm not knocking these apps, but this is the reality. Now, you can go on an app like this and you can flick through, you scroll through and you see a title and you go, calming relaxation love that i like well, that's going to work press the button no awareness about the style of meditation the language so different language resonates with people you know sometimes just the person's voice doing the guided meditation is irritating so there's all this stuff anyway go back to my original point umbrella term of meditation mindfulness is just one technique Mindfulness is kind of hijacked the meditation world. Everyone talks about mindfulness. Mindfulness is one technique. This is just me, my, my approach in teaching. I start people with concentration-based practice. That's where you start. Concentration-based practice, and your listeners, and you might be familiar with this, is one anchor. An anchor just means somewhere you take yourself when your mind wanders. And this is another misconception about meditation. The biggest misconception, I feel, I will say to someone, have you meditated before? And they'll say, do you know what, Matt? I tried it, mate. I tried it. I'm too busy. I couldn't clear my mind tomorrow. I don't know why I sound like a South Londoner. I am a South Londoner. I couldn't clear my mind tomorrow. I couldn't clear my mind. And then my response is, guess what? You can't clear your mind. And people go, oh, well, I thought that's what meditation was about. So, no, the mind is not designed to be clear. Your mind is actually your friend. Your mind is a very, very powerful thing. We create stuff. We manifest. It's an amazing thing. So it can't be clear. Its job is to be busy thinking about mainly about our survival. That's what its role was and how to find food and be creative. We've got this prefrontal cortex now. So that's the first thing people need to know, because people will sit down and meditate. And guess what? As soon as you close your eyes, you're off. I sit down and meditate. My mind is busy. So you'll sit down, you'll close your eyes, single anchor. I like breath in the nostrils. Some people like belly. It doesn't matter. The mind wanders. You catch it and you go, oh, there he goes. Come back. That is it. That is all people need to worry about. At the, when they start meditating, that's the name of the game. Everyone's mind wanders. Everyone brings it back. 
I the just, comparison. I just, yes. Sorry, sorry. Can I just cut in just quickly because I just had a thought there. Um, I heard this um, from someone else, actually. I can't remember who it was, but a, a really good analogy, they said. that They were actually discussing how uh, exactly what you just said, that the act of bringing your mind back into focus is, like you said, the name of the game. Like, that's what meditation is. This part of meditation is about. It's about co- learning to control your mind and it gets easier. And, you know, for us in our industry, they said it's like a bicep curl. It's like that's that's the workout. It's like you're doing a bicep curl every time you bring yourself back. Yeah. It's a repetition. Catch the mind, you bring it back. You catch the mind, you Mm. bring it back. And does it get easier over time for you, do you think? It does, but I think the key when you meditate as well, I won't go into too much detail, it's about being non-judgmental. So what happens is people, most people, and I'm guilty of this myself, is when I start to, if my mind is particularly busy, I've got a lot on, I've just, I've just, I've just looked at an email, or whatever. Before I shouldn't have picked my phone up, I picked it up, and I'm off. Then I start to judge myself. I am no good at meditation. This is what happens. People get stressed, and it kind of, it goes against what we're supposed to achieve. But no, yeah, it will. You so you'll be able to hopefully you'll be able to rest your focus for longer periods. But the key, this is the key, catch it quicker. Okay. Now, when you catch it quicker. What you're doing is the the technical term is meta-awareness. So if you go and read a book about meditation, meta-awareness, recognizing thoughts as thoughts. Now you go to yourself, okay, Matt, that's fine. What's the value of that in my everyday life? Well, the first big bonus, and this is what you should think about when you start meditating, meditation isn't about relaxation. It isn't really. Relaxation can be a byproduct. Stress relief is a byproduct, but you're not meditating to reduce your stress. People, we were friends at lunch and I'm running an online version for people in the UK. It's coming up in a few weeks. Someone signed up on it and they were saying that they can't get into the zone. They can't, they can't get into a meditative state. So these, these preconceived ideas, and I don't think social media helps. And I don't think people that meditate long-term, I'm going on an eight day silent retreat in the summer. So I'm going to sit, not talk, and not, and I, I'm going to delve into some of this deepness. But I didn't go straight there. I started with this concentration. So let's go back to what I was saying. How is catching my mind and bringing it back valuable? You are improving your skill of focus and concentration. Right? That is what you're working on. If you speak to anyone, actually, if I asked you tomorrow, if I asked you a question, I said, look, if I could give you a pill and you took a pill and tomorrow you had 50% improvement in your ability to focus and concentrate, would that be beneficial? Yeah. <laughs> how would that, I'd, how, I'd, how, I'd like how, to think how, how it would that, be, but yeah. <laughs> how, how, would, how, would that, how would that show up in your life? Uh, if, if I was more focused and yeah, more, yeah. Concentrate. Oh, gosh. Yeah, gosh. I could just get things done, get more stuff done, and God, be so productive and yeah focused on my goals and yeah exactly exactly so when i teach groups this i say what look, the biggest stressor in our life and this is the difference we haven't we won't dive into what stress is but you know you've got the stress response and you've got stressors and work is obviously a stressor a major stressor in people's lives we have a focus and attention crisis if you want to read a book about it johan hari's stolen focus mm. great book amazing book right is it the smartphones? Is it the 24-hour news cycles? Probably. 
but we are more and more distracted. We've got these videos, you know, video content's getting shorter, our attention span. We can't concentrate on stuff. I speak to HR directors here in Dubai. I go in and work with organizations and we look at all this stuff and we, we don't call it, some firms I don't call it meditation, I call it brain training because that's what it is. These HR directors that have been in the gig 20 odd years tell me time and time again, people are making more mistakes at work, productivity's gone down. So what happens for people is because they've got multiple tabs open, their phone's on their table, they cannot stay focused. It's called switch cost. I won't bore you with it, but when you change tasks, it takes you X amount of time to come back. So what's happening is people are not getting stuff done. Therefore, they're taking work home with them. Maybe not physically, mentally. So they walk through the door. They're not switching off. They get home. They're not present for their friends and family. The biggest gift you can give to, to family, and if you're a listener and you've got kids, wife, husband, partner, whatever, your, the biggest gift is your attention. If you walk through the door and you haven't done the work at home and you can't stay focused and you're staring at your phone, guess what? Stressor at home. A lot of firms I work with here, law firms are a classic example. They love the job. They love the stress the lawyers I work with. Biggest stress comes from home because they're not present with their family. So what happens is the person goes to bed that night, well, they're adrenaline and cortisol. Oh, they don't sleep. They're on that caffeine cycle. So that's the stress thing. All right. Now, so focus and attention. Improving your focus and attention is, yeah, it's great. And that's what I say. Four-week courses face-to-face -face here. Tell the students. If you're going to get one thing from doing this thing, and it's going to improve your focus and attention, that's going to just pay dividends in the rest of your life. It ripples out into all of your life. Now, another value of just catching quicker and bringing it back is a term called, we, it's a technical term called chronesthesia, mental time travel. Sitting there projecting about the future, ruminating on the past. We're brilliant at that. As a species, it's the reason we've kind of, you know, we are you know, apex predator and we're destroying the planet, but that's another topic. But it's the reason is we've got this ability to plan forward ahead for the future, ruminate on the past. So people ask me, how, Matt, how is catching my wandering mind going to help me? It's going to help you in this situation. You get home from work, you sit down, you've had a busy day, but you've made a conscious effort. So I'm going to put my phone in the basket. There's my basket out there tomorrow. I chuck my phone in there and I'm going to sit down with the family and I'm going to be present for this Netflix series. So you sit down and you're trying to be present tomorrow. But guess what? That email the boss sent at 530 is playing on your mind a little bit and you're you're off. You're off at the races. You're gone. You're not even aware of it. Most people have no relationship with their mind. So they're off at the races for the whole evening. They're not present. But guess what? Those thoughts are creating the same physiological response as an actual threat. So your brain doesn't know the difference between perceived and actual threat. So you have negative thoughts. Adrenal glands still produce cortisol and adrenaline. <laughs> You're still in that fight or flight response. So you've got that situation. So you're watching Netflix. So if you are daily getting up and all you're doing is sitting there and you, you just keep catching your mind, you're developing a skill. And it's that skill of actually catching it and having some awareness around that negative spiral of thinking. And trust me, this filters into everyday life. 
So you've got concentration based, which does that. Mindfulness is the present moment. So mindfulness is multiple anchors. So if anyone's done mindfulness before, this is just my take on stuff. Other teachers have different takes on it. This is how I explain it. So, so concentration. You're working, so, so coming, so coming back to the umbrella. So you've covered mm. the focus part. Um, concentration, concentration based, based. Okay, and so now it's they're going on to the mindfulness. So just, just, just for the, the general picture, if you have this umbrella that I have in my mind, um, how many different types of meditation are there? Oh, there's, there's like, okay, this okay, is where okay. it gets me. This is where it can so get. So you're covering there, the main there, ones. There yeah. are, yeah, there, <clears throat> the, there are layers to this game. Mm, there are okay. layers. There are, um, I mean, <clears throat> loving kindness or compassion based meditation. I, I, when I first started meditating, loving kindness, compassion, boy from South London, behave. I don't do stuff like that. It's phenomenal the impact that stuff has on your empathy. And your compassion. But again, people hear this and they've not started doing the basic stuff. And they go, that's me out. I'm checking out. It's a load of people sitting in pajamas eating lettuce. I'm not doing this, right? So that is out there. There's loads of layers. There's meta. There's loving kindness. There's mantra based. There's, there's, there's huge. There's a, one of my favorite teachers is Tara Brack. Tara Brack talks about going in. There's, there's, there's lots of different methods and techniques, but concentration based. One anchor. Then I would encourage people to go into mindfulness. So mindfulness is like, it, when people understand, they say, I need to be present in this moment. Now, this moment is this moment. So sounds, <clears throat> sensations, stuff going on. So when you meditate, and it's a mindfulness meditation, I tend to teach things like sounds coming up. So different sounds. So this is good for attentional flexibility. This is how it carries into everyday life. You don't want to just be locked in. So you're very good tomorrow at concentrating at work, but you're not very good at anything else. You develop that first, then you go out. So mindfulness could be sounds, sensations. Thoughts themselves is some practice that I use where you analyze the thoughts coming up. So what mindfulness does is it starts to make you more, improves your attentional flexibility, um, your awareness to be present in the current moment, and then you've got the skill from concentration-based. You're at a party. There's kids running around. There's family. Mind wanders. You worry about work. You've got a skill. You catch it. You can behave. Come back here. Be present here. All right? So that's kind of a general way of describing it. And then you've got all the other stuff, like blood pressure, heart rate variability, structural changes in your brain i'm not going to bore your listeners with the science but you do this simple stuff like you just sit down and focus on your breath and you just turn up every day and it is phenomenal what actually happens how stuff turns up so so just just picking up on what you were speaking about with mindfulness and the present moment and that is is such a um it's, it's, it's very popular these days, isn't it, for people to be aware of this present moment. Um, I think it's hard to have not heard about it. So what are your thoughts on, let's say, um, Eckhart Tolle? So The Power of Now, like that's his most popular book um, and plus yeah. many, many others that he's done. But um, what are your thoughts on, because <clears throat> he's all about, sorry. <clears throat> all right. 
I've, I've had um, like a cough and a funny throat for months and it's something I need to work on. I don't know what's going on there. No, no, honestly, though, the, with, with friends today, it's just it's this strange thing. And when you've got that tickling, that, that mm. thing in your throat, you carry on clearing tomorrow. Don't right. you worry about it. I'm going to do that. I'm thanks. <laughs> um, so um, Eckhart Tolle. What are, what, are your, what are your thoughts on Eckhart Tolle? So he would say something like, okay, so be in the present moment and clear your thoughts. And that is the way to do the present moment and let's say um i'm a big fan of michael singer i, I don't know if you are as well but yeah. he, he has a similar um approach in that don't listen to your thoughts like clear your mind of your thoughts because your thoughts are um you know they're not they're not useful and i know you said that it's different you can't clear your thoughts like it, that's impossible but what about these leaders in you know spirituality these spirituality um kind of titans talking about the present moment and just clearing your mind um, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I mean, I, Eckhart Tolle, I've read both his books, Power mm. Now and New Earth, and uh, I, was, I was all over it. The concept of it's great. Um, again, I don't know enough about Michael Singer. Maybe yeah. they just get taken out of context and, they, and they'll, they'll quote something on a podcast and people will grab that. The technical term is dissociation. So psychologists mm. say don't, don't, don't attach attachment, Buddhism, attachment to thoughts and feelings. I think... Individual personalities is one thing, because I think we all come from, we have different upbringings, and I certainly think our upbringing and the way we're socialised has an impact on how we think trauma. So if you want to delve into stuff, the body keeps score. There's, there's you know, there, there's a lot of stuff out there. Um, I think maybe, I mean, the gurus in, in every field are, I tell you what, actually, when you talk about, have you heard of Deepak Chopra? Yes, of course. All right. Yes, All right. I've got so some of his books in my bookshelf. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so actually, without um, so there, there's a um, uh, there's a, a podcast called Ten Percent Happier, mm. and oh my god, how's the name gone blank? Dan Harris, right? So, so in answer to your the the, the question about the gurus in the, in the space, and there are gurus in every space. There's gurus in Pilates world, gurus in the PT world. Um, so Dan Harris is he was a He's a journalist, Dan Harris, right? And he used to host a, a show, a news show live in, in the States. And he was um, a war correspondent for years. And he, he took lots of recreational drugs. And anyway, he had a panic attack live on air, right, Dan Harris. And as a result of it, and he had challenges with mental health, he went into, he, he found meditation. Now, what I love about Dan Harris is he's a bright individual, but because of his profile in media, his book, 10% Happier, and he's hilarious, by the way, Dan Harris. And I would encourage anyone who's, who's not, has got, is thinking about meditating, read his book or listen to it on Audible, 10% Happier. So he meets some of these gurus uh, and he gets to interview them. And I, all I will say is I will just say, have a listen to his book. It's, there's some interesting stuff. But going back to what you're saying, um, I don't know if we, we I, I certainly don't feel we can detach from our thinking at yeah. all. I don't think that's possible. I think there are definitely uh, in deep states of meditation. I definitely think you know, this is the whole the big question about consciousness. This is what people are looking for. Consciousness is, is it's not even, it's a concept that people talk about. So I don't think we can detach from our thinking, but I think we can de certainly develop a better relationship, which is what meta awareness is. We can develop a better relationship around our thinking and then you know maybe we do need therapy and there's there's some brilliant therapists out there. there's cognitive cognitive behavioral therapy there's psychotherapy 
So there's lots of different, and this is what I mean about meditation and wellness. There's lots of different ways to improve your relationship, your thinking and your feelings. So, yeah, I think they're all good. But the, like any any guru in an area, I'm sure if someone called me a guru, my ego would rear up and I'd, I'd start thinking of the answer. I don't know if I answered it, but for your listeners, if they are, they want to check out a book that will make them laugh and get them thinking about meditation from a purely a curious beginner standpoint, 10% happier, Dan Harris. His podcast is great as well. He has some really good thinkers in this area and his book's hilarious. So brilliant. I did answer your no, that, that's, that's brilliant. So, so you've covered the, the various different types of meditation and, and what you've basically said is, Look, there are so many different ways to do this, but here are some good mm. ways to start. And you said, look, I'm not going to bore the listeners with all of the sciencey stuff. And by all means, like, you know, I, I I see what you mean, but I'm a huge fan of just knowing um, what is going on when we're meditating, like what is physically happening um, yeah. in like, I, I don't know whether you want to cover the body, the brain, like whatever you're happy to talk about, but um why so when we're in a meditative state we know how we feel in ourselves but what is actually happening in our body to make us feel that way the, f- the first thing i would say is I, I would i would pick up on the word meditative state so i think that term itself is very um it, it's very subjective doesn't really mean anything and this is where i think like my friend earlier that, is, that i was talking to over lunch she says she can't get into a meditative state. So these are the, this is where I think issues around meditation come. People have preconceived ideas about what meditation is and how you should feel when you meditate. So the, the beautiful thing about Tara Brack, Tara Brack is a psychologist, but also a mindfulness teacher. What she talks about is you just honor what is present, whatever comes up. So sometimes when you meditate, you are just full of anxiety. There's stuff going on in life. You're grieving. You've lost someone. There's Life is just busy. You are in a sympathetic state. You feel charged up. Tara Brack's work is about acknowledging it, and it's brilliant, and going in and actually sitting with the feelings. So I would say the term meditative state, people assume you're in a trance. You're in this. You're not. And it's very personal. It's very subjective. The biggest challenge I would say for people is because of this expectation, because they, they sit down and they assume this one, they should, it should look a certain way. It should be calm. There should be candles. I should be sitting on the floor in lotus position. That's one of the biggest misconceptions. Mm. I sit on a chair. Wearing a toga. Exactly. I sit on a chair. When I travel with my wife, if we're traveling around the UK and we're in hotels, I sit on a chair. The, ta- the chair is at the table in the hotel room and I sit in the toilet with the door closed. That's not very glamorous, is it? I make sure I put the seat down, of course, in the, on the toilet, turn the lights out and meditate. So people have a preconceived idea. Meditative state, I wouldn't use a term like that. What to expect, I wouldn't use a word like that. The one thing I would say is the biggest challenge people face is they sit down, they meditate, their mind wanders. It doesn't matter who you are, your mind will wander. Because their mind wanders and they assume they should be in a particular state and they should feel a particular way because they're meditating, their mind then challenges, this is no good, this is rubbish, I can't meditate, fight or flight response, stress, open their eyes, give up. 
So again, I don't know if I've answered that, but I, I would, and, and what goes on within the body? Yes, you might see some parasympathetic tone. You might get a reduction in heart rate. Guess what? You might not. This stuff, I think, and the structural changes in the brain, guys in white coats in labs, but we definitely get, um, I'll I tell you one thing I do know for sure is that we've got the amygdala and your hippocampus. So your amygdala is part of the limbic system, fight or flight. It's a, a you know reptilian part of the brain. It's our reactive center in the brain, protective. So that sits there. If you spend time at heightened stress, the amygdala becomes more active. Hippocampus, and this is a, there's a neuroscientist listening, and what you talk about, mate, it's far more complicated than this, but this is how I describe it. Hippocampus is memory and cognition, right? I'm 47 years old, and my memory is as good as it's ever been. All right, it might be a bit of placebo involved, belief systems, because I meditate every day. But still, memory improves. Like, yeah, me exactly. It doesn't really still, matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. No, it doesn't matter. You're right. So hippocampus is uh, so your memory and uh, memory will improve. That's an issue for a lot of people. Memory improves. So if you meditate regularly, hippocampus. Imagine the hippocampus is like it's like a big brother. So he keeps an eye on the amygdala. So emotional regulation is another role for the hippocampus. So when the amygdala gets a bit aggy, right, you know, it gets a bit kicky, oi, the hippocampus will normally go, calm down, it's all right, no problem. Amygdala goes, fine, no problem. But when we're in heightened states of stress, the hippocampus shrinks, okay? That's what studies are showing, shrinks. So we become more reactive. We've got less emotional regularity we become more more reactive is another one for you so have you heard of a guy called joe Dispenza? oh god yes of course love a bit he, of joe i Dispenza, use the, right. his, his meditations i use by the way you love it, yeah. yeah so all I'm over joe Dispenza. yeah 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 i mean i i destroyed every audiobook joe had ever written or recorded during lockdown yeah i just smashed it yeah so there was, there was something that Joe Dispenza said, and then I checked it out, checked the biology and the, 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 the physical side of it, and it's true. So I just mentioned earlier in the podcast that thoughts create feelings. I might not have mentioned it, but you're, when you have a thought, it can create a physiological response in your body. So Joe Dispenza said this. It blew my mind when I heard about this. Thoughts create feelings. Feelings create thoughts. So what Joe Dispenza says is you have a thought. You're thinking negatively. We've got a negativity bias inbuilt as a species anyway. You have this negative thought. Your body goes, all right, there's, there's danger. There's a threat. Something bad's going to happen. Let's produce some adrenaline and cortisol. Okay, so you've got some glucose ready. So if there is danger, we can run. Now, when you get caught in this spiral, this loop, for a prolonged period of time, what starts to happen is that the cells in your body become addicted Blew my mind when I read this. Addicted to the chemicals. The cells in your body literally go, when you're trying, you know, your friends might say to you, tomorrow, you need to just think a bit more positively. You know, you need to go off and chant, right? It doesn't matter what you do. Your cells start demanding this chemical soup that they swim in. So your physiology starts to dictate your neurology. You become more miserable. You've all got friends who are half glass full and you go, ah, oh, they just, they never, they don't see the bright side. Sometimes people have been stuck in this heightened state of chronic stress. 
that they literally can't escape it. They've got no no choice over it. Their physiology is going, we want more of this some, this stuff. And how do we produce that? Negative thinking. So it, it kind of all ties up nicely in a loop. You have to start recognizing first that, you know, your thoughts are running away. Bring them back. Meditation, gratitude practices. I don't know if you're something that you're familiar with. I, I try and squeeze that in on meditation courses. That works on the reticular activating system. But And then obviously movement, bottom-up approach to stress. When you move, you metabolize cortisol and adrenaline. Um, what else is there with stress? Okay, if you're not managing chronic stress, stress-induced diabetes is a thing. People are like, my diet's all right. How can I possibly have, you know, um, of, uh, insulin resistance? It's like, well, you you swim in cortisol and adrenaline, your body's constantly pumping glucose in the system, which has to be shuttled away. You're hyperinsulinic and, you know, anyway, that was it. So, <laughs> yes, I don't know. That's that cup of tea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, lovely. But it's good for you, Tamara. It's good for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so th- let's, let's dive into the practicalities then of meditation because so we know that there are loads of different types out there. And yep. um, there are some basic ways that you can get started um, if mm. you haven't started already. You, you've given a time, an amount of time that you can do it for. So um, let's let's dive into some more of the practicality so that anyone listening can start to think, okay, this mm. is where I can fit it into my life. Yeah. Is, is there a best time to meditate? No. Mm. I, for me, morning... I... I would say if you can meditate first thing in the morning, do it first thing in the morning, only because we're trying to create a new habit and we have a finite amount of willpower. I mean, that's documented. You know, we've, we've got a finite amount of willpower. That's why Steve Jobs and people like Elon Musk wear the same, you know, their stories about wearing the same suit. They're trying to minimize the amount of decision making they have to make outside of it. So if you can meditate in the morning, you get up, you're full, you've got plenty of uh, willpower available solidify a new habit but honestly you fit it in where you can you fit it in where you can in life you want to find somewhere regular yeah i say to people so the first thing i do is ask people to find their seat when i set up whatsapp groups with students it's like have you hit your seat where are you going to meditate because it's like saying i'm going to go to i'm I'm going to join the gym tomorrow time i'm going to get fit i'm joining the gym oh okay cool which gym you you go oh i don't know yet when you're going tomorrow morning, we're just going to walk out the door and, yeah, I'll go and find a gym and sign up. So you've got to decide on where am I going to be. If you've got a busy household, minimise distractions if you can. You have not got to sit on the floor. So find your seat. Where am I going to meditate? What time? Morning, ideally, but look, it doesn't really matter. You fit it in where you can. The only thing I would say, if someone's having challenges with sleep, is maybe not doing concentration-based practice just before you go to bed. I'm not saying you can't, but there is, you you are firing up the prefrontal cortex, you know, so you you might find it can impact your sleep. But honestly, wherever you can fit it in, any habit, familiarity, regular time slot, there I am. And guess what? Just sit down on the seat. You sit down, close your eyes for one minute, and you go, and you, oh, God, this is hard. When you get up, it's fine. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. Mm-hmm. It's the habit of hitting the seat. Sometimes people struggle. They think it's their mind. They think they're busy, and they can't concentrate. Actually, it's their, their body. So do you know yourself? If you're full of adrenaline and cortisol, 
the body wants you to move. So sometimes people like some form of movement practice before. Might be some yoga, might be some plays, might they just might want to train and then meditate afterwards. That can be useful. Right. Um, but yeah, best time, ideally in the morning if you can, but you know what, whenever you can fit Whenever in. you can. Um, and and I would say morning is great because um, it, once once you do your meditation, uh, you feel more positive. You feel like you can, it, it kind of sets your intention for the day. And so it's great to have that right at the start of the day. But for someone like myself, I'd, I'd love to meditate in the morning, but I just, I can't because I've got kids. So they're, they're up before me usually, and they are, um, you know, running around demanding breakfast and all of this. So meditation in the morning is an absolute no-no for me. So I can um, agree with you that at any time, because um, I I do mine sometimes in the afternoon or sometimes in the late morning, and they're just as effective as each other. But what I would say is, I don't know if you'd agree with this, but once I um I did one of my meditations, and then shortly afterwards I I did a workout session, and the workout was not good. <laughs> so I don't know if that's just me or um whether lots of people find this but I found getting super relaxed and then going into training um was a big no-no for me so I don't yeah, know if no, you found that yeah. with yourself or with any of your clients no like it's around exercise. I mean, just, how do you find yeah. around exercise what do you think yeah I mean if you've managed to get into a parasympathetic state mm, which okay. you know could be a byproduct yeah, absolutely. you know, the, you when we go into, I mean, I I tend to bang a double espresso down my neck. Exactly. So the gym, you know, before the gym, well, first thing in the morning, I'll train. Like sympathetic, right? Like get up there. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. Exactly. Was, I don't know why I did but, it. <laughs> no, no, but it's, but it's interesting. If I, so, and I think this is the other thing: if people are training, you know, the value of being mindful. So everyone knows about kinesthetic awareness. If you're looking for hypertrophy, and you're looking to build muscle. It's not really about the intensity. It's not really mm-hmm. about the load on the bar. It's about tension okay. through a muscle for a full range. Yes. So mindfulness, it does come into your, your everyday activity. Even stuff like breath work. So just using a, a longer exhalation, I get some of my clients to implement that intraset or even, so if you're listening now and you do a, a hit session with your PT or you put someone through it and you're a trainer, do yourself a favor, get your client on the floor and do some recovery breathing, which is just in for three, out for five. It's not complicated. Again, there's people out there claiming that they've got all these breathwork techniques. It's just simple science. Get into a parasympathetic state before you leave. But going back to what you said about your busyness. Now, when you get up in the morning, I suspect you're on your own in the shower. Mm-hmm. There's not kids hanging off you. Yeah, right, cool. Yeah. And sometimes, when you brush your but, teeth, you know, like sometimes the kids are there, like, normally, banging, on the, and when, banging on the window. Yeah. But I'm just like, yeah, mostly. Brushing your teeth, or have you got a child hanging on your waist? <laughs> I mean, sometimes, but you know, yeah, okay. most of the time I'm okay. by myself. Yeah, yeah, cool. So there, there's this is just uh, just examples of busyness. So these are two opportunities to practice mindfulness. Mm. Right now, the benefits you get are exactly the same. It goes to back to my point about expectations about what it should look like. No, absolutely. What the right. environment should. I've, I've be just to. demonstrated your point, haven't I? Yeah, and it, no, but it's good, but it's good. So it gets people thinking that I haven't got time. So exact, brushing your teeth. So you go there, brush your teeth. I struggle. This is called informal practice. I really struggle with informal practice. Maybe it's because my formal practice is so dialed in and nailed, but I will struggle. But you're brushing your teeth. Now, that is a sensory overload. You've got this thing. You want an electric toothbrush? No, just usual. 
Right. So you're brushing. So you've got all this sensation in your gut. So what you do is you literally bring your awareness, because normally when we do stuff like that, what's happening? We're just off. We don't really pay attention to what we're doing. We're thinking. So you're bringing your awareness to how does this brush feel in my mouth? How does it feel? Every time your mind wanders, catch it, bring mm -hmm. it back. It's exactly the same benefit of sitting there formally. When you're in the shower, think about that. That is a sensory overload. Mm -hmm. You have thousands of droplets of water hitting one of the biggest sensory organs in your body. There is information being sent to your brain if you, if you choose to pay attention to it. So this is mindfulness because as the, the shower hits you, there'll be different areas, warmth. So you're in the shower. I know for me, I'll get in the shower, you're washing your hair, and you're just thinking, <laughs> just off of the races. So what I'm saying to you is, is it'd be good to explore with you, actually, and it'd be challenging, but you can fit it in. So now you could get double bubble tomorrow. <clears> you <throat> could get two meditations in. You could do your shower mindfulness one, and it would be a skill, and you'd develop it. So anyone listening who's thinking, I can't fit it in, I can't do that, try that. Try that. Brushing your teeth, showering, kids are not with you then, there's your meditation moment. And then still sit down and do your formal practice later. Lovely. Good tip. Good tip. Um, <laughs> so we've, we've been talking about ways that we can fit it into our day, but just say somebody is like, okay, so is this all I need to do? Um, is, is this going somewhere? So let's say when you're working out in the gym, you know that you know, you're going to be progressing over time because that's the way it goes. So with meditation, these are good ways to start. But do we need, are we working towards something? Is there something we need to be working towards? Like where so is I it would, all going? I, yeah, yeah. I would, I would <clears> first up, and I'd say, I'd say with, with training for most of our clients, when we train, we use progressive overload, right? We use the mm -hmm. principles. Is it intensity? Is it volume? Is it rest periods? All these variables that we can manipulate to create adaptation. Specific adaptation to impose demand. Said principle 101. Mm -hmm. Most of our clients, unless you're a powerlifter or you're a bodybuilder, even bodybuilders, you have a limit. You don't progress anymore. So what do you do? The stimulus is different. Mm. Novelty. So with our training, we, ne we don't go in a linear progression on, on intensity or volume. We taper off. We have tapering like phases. We mix up our training. We do more cardio. So with meditation, think of it like this. Think of it as... As I said before, there are layers to this game and there are layers and there is so much that's going to be that, that you can experience with meditation. Not every style is going to suit you. But what I would say is rather than thinking of a goal somewhere where it's going to take you, most people who start training, they train regularly. They'll, they'll, they may, may go for PRs in certain lifts or they may go for an event. But in general, those of us who have the habit of exercising, I'm 47. I don't train and put more weight on the bar. I just mm. train because it benefits my life. It's just a part, psychologically, physically. Just thinking meditation practice is that. It's going to improve my ability to concentrate and focus. You mentioned it at the top. I'm going to be more empathetic. I'm going to be more compassionate. I'm more open-minded. It's going to help with my training because I concentrate more. I do more at work. Um, my blood pressure readings, my structural changes in my brain. You just, you just, it's a bit like eating vegetables. He's like, where am I going with this? Do I eat, want to eat four carrots? Like, no, I'll just eat carrots. They're good for me. I, I get the habit regular. So that's what I would say about where to no, take I see. it. Yeah. I see, yeah. Estab establish the habit. 
Give yourself time. Let this stuff show up in your life. At least give it time. Give it three months, four months. And it doesn't matter if you miss it for a week, that you will fall off the horse. Get back on. Just do it. When your mind wanders, doesn't matter. My wife meditates sometimes and she just spends, she says she just spends the whole period busy. But she doesn't worry because the guided stuff she listens to, the guy she listens to, reminds her it's okay to be busy. Mm. It's showing up every day. Habit. That's what it's about. So we, we talked about how exercise might kind of impact meditation, like and, and whether you do it before exercise or after exercise, I, it's probably an individual thing. Um, for me, mm. I found it didn't work, but, um, you know, when, when so that's exercise. So when it comes to food, do you have any thoughts on fasted meditation? Because um, in, in the fasting kind of world, um, Ramadan is probably one of the most um, looked at studies, um, one of the most studied um, uh, kind of uh, religious practices when it comes to fasting. And studies have shown that, um, you know, the people practicing Ramadan when they're fasted, they feel closer to God and they feel more sensitive to their, um, you know, to, to the people around them and they feel closer to each other and there's a stronger connection and they link it to fasting. Do you have any thoughts on fasted meditation? Do you think that it's better to have an empty stomach? Does that intensify your experience or do you think it doesn't matter? It, you don't need to think about that. I don't, I don't think you need to worry about it. I mean, when it comes to fasting, I'm quite open-minded. I mean, Sachin Panda's recent studies, I mean, Sachin Panda's the leader in the, in the fasting world. Yes, there are huge amounts of benefits. You know, people talk about autophagy for years. Personally, I think, have you heard of something called the Zoe Project? Uh, I think so. It's, I, yeah, I think so, so. The, 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 the Zoe Project is, 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 I'm going off on a tangent here, but it's a guy called Tim Spector. He's got microbiome. A friend of yes, mine. Yes, yes. Yeah, Tim Spector and his whole. So the reason I mention it is that what we're realizing more and more is that, and I stay in my lane, nutrition is a minefield, and I've, I'm open minded about stuff. Tim Spector and the work that the Zoe Project are, are proving with these glucose monitors that, that nutrition is becoming more and more personalized based around the impact of stress epigenetics, gut microbiome, so it's complicated. How one person responds to one food compared to another is completely different. And once we nail that, we'll be able to, per to, to personalise and tailor food. I think the same is with fasting. I get huge benefits from fasting, and I'll tell you what my benefits are. Having time-restricted feeding, I am greedy tomorrow, right? It might be leptin and ghrelin signalling, why I can't, I've got no off switch. If there's a bar of chocolate, I eat it all. I learned this years ago. It's just the reality. I could delve into it and analyze it. Is it my leptin? Am I leptin resistant? Am I am I hyperinsulinemia? Have I ate loads of cakes? And Who knows? So I think with fasting, fasting is valid. Uh, I would never wave a magic wand and say it's 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 special. It's just it has a role, and it's. But in terms of meditation, sorry, that was your question. Meditation. In terms of meditation, I I get up in the morning and I I wouldn't say I'm completely fasted. I have one cup of coffee. And my last meal of the day around seven and then I eat my first meal. So I probably I'm probably on a 16, eight kind of works for me. Means I can eat loads of food in the eight hours that, you know, I like to feel safe. <laughs> but again, I'm not mm -hmm. sure. But I would say to your listeners, don't worry about fasting right. at the moment. Uh, so, and again, I think some people 
work well without food. Potentially the sugar burners, the people that the grazers, they don't function so well. So I think I think what it comes down to is experimenting with what works for you. So um, I, I find when <clears throat> if I haven't eaten any food, I, I do feel a lot of clarity and I feel um, like yeah. my body feels more sensitive, like um, to, to everything. So yeah, um, and also I find that if I have, let's say, if I was to have like a large dinner, and then, um, you know, with some dessert, let's say, which is kind of like I'm a bit guilty of that pretty much every night. <laughs> um, so if I was to do that and then go and meditate, um, I know instinctively in myself, if I've just had a load of food and my tummy is full and then moving yeah. into a meditation, I just I, I know in myself that it's not going to be as powerful as the fasted, let's say, if I was to do it in the morning, because um, just your body is so busy, like it's digesting, it's it's kind of, it's, it's, it's doing its own thing. And your, your brain is probably more um, focused on other things. Um, mm. But then when you're in a fasted state, it's, there's a lot, there's a much cleaner focus and there's a much cleaner state of mind. And perhaps a meditation is, is a bit more powerful. And um, you mentioned caffeine as well. I remember I did a coaching session with um with Charlotte actually Charlotte Stebbing Mills and um she was doing a meditation um session with me which was fabulous and one of her instructions was do not have any caffeine beforehand because you know you need to be in clear mind and and I was like okay great and I, I actually had a cup of tea that morning and I completely forgot and she was like oh why did you do that um but uh, so I, th- I think there are ways that you can um you know, if you were to sit down like I do and you were to kind of switch your mind off and you were to kind of come meditate and, you know, take your mind to other places, then there probably are ways that you can intensify it and make it more powerful um, and ways that you can make it less powerful. So let's say if you have, you know, if like you mentioned sleep, like if you had poor sleep or if you're, um, you know, if you've, if you've kind of binged on some, you know, processed carbs and things like um Mm. maybe those things have an impact on the clarity and of the connection of your meditation but um I don't know if you have any final thoughts on that yeah I mean I would I mean again strictly it's just my view and in the meditation world there's lots lots of different approaches types yeah yeah and I think when we use statements like uh less powerful Mm. or I didn't get into we're getting back into meditative meditative state and this is the biggest barrier for most people people that are at that level are going into finding state jody spencer he's taught he's about finding states long meditations i think i think if you when you start thinking like that that there's an expectation there's something you're getting immediately from meditation i don't fully agree with that i think this stuff is cumulative and it shows up in your life. And I think that's the thing to think about is a lot of people will, I mean, I'm, I've been told by my teacher that I need to play around with when I meditate because I'm, I'm getting rigid in the morning and I'm, I'm not challenging myself in other periods of time. When we meditate, the idea is that we, it's not just isolate to the mass. So true meditation, you said yourself, compassion, empathy, the way you act in life. I think almost, you know, you want to take this stuff into your everyday life. I don't know if that makes any sense. I would not say you're wrong in saying what you're saying. I think it's personal. But I think we have to be careful with people when they start. We start layering in all this stuff that's going to make it more powerful and help. 
I think when you start, it's just the experience itself. And if the experience is, I'm tired, I feel full, that is an opportunity to pay attention to what's going on in the present moment. And it's being able to label stuff. And if things have to be a certain way, when you do feel a particular way in everyday life, you might judge it as negative. And I think the name of the game with all this stuff is, one thing I would say is what meditation has taught me is the impermanence of everything. And I think that's that's the beauty mm. is everything passes, good and bad. And I think once you get there, then you start going into realms like faith and higher power and all this kind of stuff. But I think that's the key. Meditation teaches you that this is long. I'm going on eight days silent in the summer. There'll, there'll be a roller coaster. And I think sitting with the roller coaster and sitting with uncomfortable feelings and thoughts is almost, it's another layer down, but that's almost part of the game. I understand. And, and but this kind of draws back to your first recommendation, which is, listen, guys, there are loads of different ways to do this. There are loads of different ways to meditate, but just a great place to start is to just bring your focus back, do that bicep curl. <laughs> Like just do that, practice that. And you don't need anything for that. You don't need any special circumstances, any environment. Like you could be doing anything. You could be busy. Like you could be doing things, but it's just doing that bicep curl um, is a great place to start. And I think that's a really good tip. So yeah, I think that's a good place for for people to start. And then if they want to start layering on themselves, then that's that's up to them. That that's their journey. Yeah. Yeah. And if they if they pick guided meditations, which is probably advisable. Don't just pick one and then listen and go, it didn't resonate. Find something that works for you. If you can find something with a single, like, um, what's the guy? Oh, who did I learn with? There's a guy on Spotify. <clears throat> Doesn't matter. I'll think of his name but another time. But, but yeah, just find, find a, a, a concentration base. It's probably a useful place to start because if you can't concentrate on one anchor, You've got no chance when you start getting into the mindfulness stuff where they start asking you, you can't focus on one, you've got no chance with multiple. You judge yourself, I'm no good at this, I can't meditate, I'm rubbish, I'll stop. And what we want people to do is we want them to carry on. Let this stuff show up in their life tomorrow. Happy days. Lovely. Oh, that, that was brilliant. Just Thank you so much, Matt. Is there anything that you want to cover that you haven't covered today? No, I know. I think I've done it. Look, I, all I would say to people is, look, this stuff, meditation is the umbrella term. There's loads of different ways of doing it. It's like anything. If you want to get the benefits of meditate, you've got to turn up. You've got to do it. It doesn't have to be forever. Um, give this stuff time to show up in your life. It is a game changer. And, you know, if you need to learn and, and go on a course, go on a course, get a community, talk to people. If you start and you stop, just start again. That's it. Love it. Great advice. How can people find you? Uh, so podcast. I also have a podcast. I know you do. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's called, it's called the Ma- Happiness Yesterday. It it's, great. Co- it's called yeah. it's called the Matt Marley Fitness Show, mm-hmm. soon to become the Matt Marley Podcast. It's a change of name. And yeah. I know, yeah, we're you're just, getting bigger. We're expanding yeah. out. I'm being, I'm being labeled a bit. So the Matt Marley Fitness Show, there is uh, the website uh wellness education dubai that's where i do all the the wellness stuff i do online uh stuff like meditation and, and pt stuff 
Uh, if anyone is interested, doesn't matter where you're in the world, I have an online course, meditation course, starting, when is it? Uh, next one is in uh, the 14th and the 21st of May, which is a Sunday. So, and it's for 90 minutes each week. You get an introduction video. You get guided meditations in between. It's on Zoom. It is 10 to 11.30 on the 14th and the 21st UK time. So wherever you are in the world, you have a look on your iPhone and you assess where you're at. And you can join me on Zoom and you get to listen to all this stuff and practice and ask questions and hopefully develop a new habit. Lovely. Thank you so much, so much, Matt. I mean, this was a lovely um, chat and I really need it today because, um, like I said to you before when we logged on, um, oh, it's just been, I've been flustered this morning, but I just feel so much better just talking to you. And, and do you know, what? I'm, I'm actually going to implement the toothbrush thing and the, the shower kind of, yeah, um, you know, get, get my mind focused. Yeah. And so you just concentration base, bring it back. Bring <laughs> exactly. It back. So um, I've learned so much. So I just want to say a huge thank you. And hopefully we get to do this again sometime. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I'm Tamara Walpole, and you've been listening to Your Body's Way. If you haven't already, please subscribe, share, rate, and review this podcast. You can find me on Instagram as Tamara Walpole Nutrition. Join me next time for some more juicy information on how to help you on your journey to your best self yet. Your Body's Way is the only way. Chat soon.